Chapter 9, Conflict Resolution and Its Effects on Economic Policy. When I came to, there was a damp paper towel over my face. I'm sorry, Arnold said. I thought I eased into it, but I guess the shock... I thought of a really important question. I... I'm still woozy. I'm still not sure I heard you right. Did you say I now have over $50,000? Are you going to faint again? No, I, I don't think so. Then yes, you are now worth that. Where is it? In your account. Under my name, but in your special account. Of course. Can I see it? Sure. I have your account information on the computer. He turned to his keyboard and tapped a few keys. No, the money. Can I see the money? He shook his head. It's not like that. First, you'd have to sell all your investments and get a check. Then you'd have to take the check to the bank and cash it. Then yes, you could see the money. And when you sell, you then owe taxes on your capital gains. At the end of the year, capital gains is what they call the profit you made from your initial investment. Oh, I didn't quite follow all of that. I thought about it. So I don't really have the money, I said slowly. I have a computer screen and numbers and stocks and things, but not the actual money. That's right, that's how it works. You, or I, acting for you, will reinvest the money in safe stocks, which will get what's called a diversified portfolio. So if one thing goes down, another might go up to cover you. But it's all there, and you can cash it in anytime you want, except, except what? I smelled a rat. Right now, the money appears to be mine because legally you can't invest in the market because you're too young. You have to go through an adult. And I'm a little uncomfortable with this because, first of all, I'm not your legal guardian, and second, since the money appears to be mine, the government will want me to pay the taxes on it, and that shouldn't be my responsibility, to pay taxes on your money. So what? What do we do? Soon, very soon, we talk to your parents and get them involved. Mom, I thought, Dad, I have something to tell you. I've been mowing lawns. I've been mowing a lot of lawns, and I have 50,000... Please pass the green beans, and by the way, I have 50,000 breakfast over toast. Mom, Dad, you know how I've been mowing lawns every day? Well, guess what? I have, no, we have something like 50,000 and change. There's something else, Arnold continued. What on earth could it be? How could anything in the world top this? What is it? As I said, I put your money in this walleye stock, and but I should remind you that not all of your money I thought it might be good to do some investing for fun. It isn't fun, I thought, to have over $50,000. So there was this kind of fun for people interested in sports, and I thought you might like to invest in that. He trailed off, and I studied him. Is something wrong? He shook his head, looked out at the rain. I couldn't believe it was still raining, that it was the same day, and that we had only been talking for an hour or so. Part of me was listening, and part of me was imagining what the money would do to help my parents, what it would buy. I misread the explanation on the fund, he said and sighed. Usually, in this kind of fund, a lot of investors pool their money and perhaps buy a baseball team or help to build a stadium. But it didn't turn out that way. How exactly did it turn out? It turns out that you own 100% interest in a heavyweight boxer who lives nearby. W I own him? Not really the person, of course. You're sponsoring him, and if he does well, you split the purse. 
He has a purse? What kind of prize fighter carries a purse? That's a figure of speech. The purse is the prize money, his winnings. What's his name? Joseph, Arnold said. Joseph Powdermilk Jr. I have the specs on the computer and can run you a printout if you'd like. Sure, I'd like to know more about him. Good, because he's due here in about 15 minutes. He called last night and wants to meet his sponsor and thank him. Arnold shook his head. Look, I'm really sorry about this. If you lose, I'll cover it, all right? And as for meeting him, well, he asked about his sponsor and without thinking I gave this address. So if you want, you can leave right now and miss it. I shook my head. No, and if we lose on this, it's your fault. Five, six weeks ago, I was sitting in my yard wandering about an inner tube. Now I'm thousand air or something. You think I'm going to complain? Some would, he sighed. Some have. What if we'd lost? Then we would have lost $40. That's what we started with, right? We lose the whole walleye thing, and all we've really lost is that, the original $40. Well, that's a healthy way to look at it. There was a sudden clatter in front of the house, and an old station wagon rumbled to a stop. It sat, almost wheezing. Then the driver's side door opened with a great deal of difficulty, and a man got out. I say man, but this person looks more like a living mountain than a man. I see it, Arnold said, but I don't believe it. How did he get in the car? He was wearing a big sweatshirt and sweatpants, and as he moved up the sidewalk to the doorstep, he was amazingly light for someone his size, almost like a really big cat. Even though he could see us through the screen of the porch, he knocked on the screen door. Please, Arnold said, come in. A quick motion, a side slip, and he was in the door, standing in front of Arnold. I'm Joseph Powdermilk, and I'd like to thank you for being my sponsor. He faced Arnold and held out his hand. I've never heard such a voice. It sounded like thunder a long way off. Muted, but deep, rumbling. Sorry, Arnold said. Wrong sponsor. He pointed at me. This is him. He turned. A mountain, turning. I'm Joseph Powdermilk, and I'd like to thank you for being my sponsor. He held out a hand as big as a whole ham. I put my hand out. It completely disappeared in his, and we shook. His touch was gentle. It's nice to meet you, I said. My name is... Just then, Pascal's truck squeaked up behind Joseph Powdermilk's station wagon and came to a screeching halt. Pascal came running up the porch. I knew it must be serious because it was daylight. Pascal never came out in daylight. Come right away. I got up. What's the matter? His name is Rock. He has two guys with him. He, pl he says we've got to pay him or he'll harm our workers. He plans to take over the business. Well, what can I do? Come. If Rock doesn't meet the boss, he'll cause a lot of trouble. Come now. I hadn't taken a step before I saw Joseph Powdermilk move with me. I'll help. I'm good with this. I was out the door. Good at what? Trouble. Chapter 10. The Force of Arms and Its Application to Business Pascal, Joseph, and I jammed into Pascal's truck. Arnold had said he would follow in his car, but Joseph said, You don't need to come. I'm sure it will be all right. I sat in the middle of the front seat, and Joseph sat on the right. Pascal hadn't seen Joseph before, but seemed to accept that he would be coming with us. He looked at Joseph once, briefly, when Joseph squeezed into the cab of the truck, and the whole truck leaned, so I thought it would tip over. But then we were on our way. The house where Pascal's relatives lived was more or less of a big box, with a good yard because they worked on it when they had time off. 
There were four trucks parked out in front under the huge elm trees that stood along the street. The first three trucks I recognized. The fourth one was a red pickup angled into the curb, not parallel parked like the others. A man was sitting behind the wheel of the driver's side window open, and two men were leaning against the end of the truck. One of them was pretending to clean his fingernails with a knife. Several of Pascal's family members were standing around by the door of the house. They seemed to be a little afraid, maybe, or mostly confused. The one in the truck is rock, Pascal said, stopping. Joseph opened the door and slid out. The truck rose visibly when his weight was gone. He shrugged, as, he shrugged as if to loosen his shoulders, strode up to the driver's side of the red truck, reached in, and grabbed Rock by the neck and pulled him out through the window. Then, Rock by the neck and holding Rock by the neck, Joseph Power drove him through the window into the truck head first. This happened fast. The man with the knife was still cleaning his fingernails when Joseph moved around to the front of the truck, grabbed the arm and the knife, and shook the guy like a dog, shaking a snake. The knife flew through the air, and Joseph picked this man up by the neck and threw him into the third man, knocking him sprawling. Then Joseph picked them up one at a time and speared one into the passenger side through the window and the other into the back of the truck. He went back to the driver's side and stood over Rock, who tried to scramble around but still had one leg hanging out the window. Don't hurt the boy who's my sponsor, Joseph rumbled, or any of these people who work with him. If you do, I'll know and I'll come and pinch your head. Do you understand? You're crazy, Rock said. All that matters is that you do not hurt my sponsor or any of the people who work with him, and you do not ask them for money. If you do, I'll know and come pinch your head. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, but this isn't over. That doesn't matter. Only what I said matters. Start your engine and drive away. Rock scrabbled to get the key, turned into the ignition, slapped the shift lever down, and tore away with one leg still sticking out the window, and the other two men with their legs hanging out of the passenger side and the back of the truck. Pascal's relations started to slow with pause. Pascal's relations started to slow a pause and soft whistles as Joseph came back to our truck. He had happened. It had happened so fast that Pascal and I hadn't had time to get out. Joseph moved his bulk back into the seat, and the springs creaked as he sat down. Maybe, I said slowly, we should have talked to them first. You know, before you... Well, just maybe we should have talked. We did talk, Joseph said. Before we came, they talked and asked for money. Then, after I put them in the truck, I talked. Then they drove away. That's the best way. First talk, then handle the problem and watch them go away. I'll remember that, I said. Joseph nodded. Some things are hard to remember, but this one is easy. I nodded. Still, maybe next time, if there, if, you know, there is a next time, we could talk a little longer first. Maybe, maybe not, he sighed. Each time is different. Pascal drove off, but I saw that he was looking at Joseph out of the corner of his eye, and he said something under his breath. What? I asked. He's a force of nature. It was something. A big storm sweeping down to clean all these things away. I think it was more like an earthquake. I trailed off thinking. Joseph, do you have a boxing name? Like, a catchy title? My name is Joseph Powdermilk, so I use that when I box. I think we need something a little more, with a little more excitement to it. 
How about if we call you Earthquake? Earthquake? Right. We'll call you Earthquake Powder Milk the next time you box. How's that sound? It sounds like it's not my name. Oh, well, okay, sure. Wait! I jumped back from the percussion of his bellow. Joey Pow! He said. Pardon me? Joey Pow! He said. It's catchy, and it's my name. Joey Pow! I looked over at Pascal, who was smiling at Joey. I like it. And just like that, I was the sponsor of a boxer. I had security for the business, and my fighter had a cool nickname. I love it when things work out just like that.